You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, 26ers? Welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features Anthony Wayne. Anthony is a cinematographer and CEO of TaylorMade Visual Productions. Anthony knew in college that he wanted to work in the media production industry, and he was well on his way to doing just that. He even earned a coveted internship in Europe before graduating. But life doesn't always go as planned. And after graduation, instead of working in film or TV, Anthony found himself cleaning rental cars for Enterprise. But eventually, he rediscovered his passion for cinematography and, along with his partner Mitchell, built a whole business around it from the ground up. During our conversation, we get into how he did it. And I'll tell you right now, Anthony put in the work. So take a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Anthony Wayne, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Listen, you put me on the spot with these lights and this camera. So for those who are listening... The December 26er podcast is reaching a new milestone in that we are adding cameras to the mix. So I feel a different level of pressure. Listen, you got the makeup, got the dress. Yes, but we're going to make it happen. Yeah. But this is not about me and the dress and all that. Right. This is about you. Yeah. So tell me, who is Anthony Wayne? Anthony Wayne. Let's see. Uh, God, God made entrepreneur, cinematographer, father, passionate guy, you know, just somebody trying to seek knowledge and make a change in the world, you know? And I know how passionate you are. A, from the first conversation that we had, like, right. you really love film. Like, you love what you do. Yes. And also, then when we got here and just the setup and, like, right. you and your partner get that look in your eye, like, right. it has to be right. Like, that that standard of excellence that you don't always see. Right. So I know you you mean it when you say you're passionate about this. Shout out to Mitchell Moody behind the yes, scenes. Yes, he's doing his thing over there yes. behind the scenes. Right. Okay, so let's talk about it. What does God-made entrepreneur really mean? Well, for me, I mean, you know, you hear a lot, self-made. Mm-hmm. I'm a self-made entrepreneur. But me, you know... I I know without God, like God has led me to this path. So I always like to give him praise first before I say self, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not really self to me because somebody had to help you. Right. Someone had to put you in position. Someone had to give you a thought. And for me, that's God. So right. when I say God made entrepreneur, that's what I mean. Yeah. And I think, too, there are divine lessons throughout the process that if it were really up to us, right. there are certain paths we would not take. Certain yeah, detours, yeah. certain rejections, certain yeah. disappointments that really build you up so that when you really make it, when you reach that tipping point, it's like that full circle moment where you're like, okay, now I understand why I had to go through X, Y, and Z. Right. We can't forget, you know, I come from Jamaican roots. So like the market said, he saw my Jamaican flag on my Instagram. Yeah, we need the air horn right here. (laughs) No, it's not. But um, yeah, that's big for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, my parents are immigrants, you know, they came from Jamaica over here. Um, The culture is like, it's real deep rooted for me. Like I remember growing up, um, Jamaicans have this thing called like the partner mm-hmm. and like I think Africans might call it like Susu or something like that but yeah um, Susu yeah um, I would go on these trips with my dad and he'll like have this money in the envelope and be like yeah bring it to this lady right here in this house don't open it up you know just bring it in and I'll drop the money off and I'm like you know what is, like, what is going, going on? on and uh, you know she well oh, thank you this that and the third and then like maybe six months later my dad would get a lot of cash like mm-hmm. maybe like $10,000 or something there was so much people in putting his money in his pot and I'm just like you know my parents don't have degrees or anything like that so I'm just wondering how are we getting by you know and I started to put the pieces together you know I'm the type of person where like if I'm sick I'm not going to the doctor my grandma might run some rub some rum on my chest something with ginger or rum in it yeah, for sure yeah you know <laughs> some green tea or something and I'll be alright that's my flu shot so you're definitely Jamaican once yeah. you start talking about rubbing rum on your chest right right on the for feet real, for in the real. chest so yes. that's where it all started for me so you come from a family of hardworking people. Yes. Did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur from the beginning, like from the time you were a child? Oh, most definitely. Um, I think it really started because my brother, he's 10 years older than me. So he had like a paper route. Mm-hmm. And um, I was probably about eight. And I would get up four in the morning with him to bag the papers up. Wow. Yeah. So I had a job since I was eight working with him. He'll give me like $20 or something mm-hmm. at the end of the week. But that's where it all started with my older brother. Like that's the benefit of having older siblings. Right. Because 
because my brother taught me how to drive, you know, how I worked with them. Um, even like my business partner, Mitchell, when we were like 12, we sold candy in school. I worked for Mitchell at that time. Let me find out. You know, Mitchell. Mitch had you on payroll. Yeah, he had me on payroll. But, you know, I've been doing it since since then, since middle school. Technically, that's an entrepreneur. We would go to BJ's. Mitchell would get the deal on candy. And uh, we would flood the hallways with candy. Listen, that, that hustle of selling snacks and candy, many of people, including the producer of this show, is familiar with that. Oh. So anyway, okay. But there, there are a lot of chapters in time, you know, in between there. So did you go to college saying, all right, I'm going to study film. I'm going to be a filmmaker and I'm going to make this work and I'm never going to have to work for anybody in my life. Was it like that? No, not at all. In high school, to me... I think I was a great athlete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What sport? Football. Okay. So uh, we come from like a, a big sports town. Bloomfield, Connecticut is like has a couple of NFL players. For the amount of people that's from our town, like as far as playing college football and in the NFL, we have a good amount of players. So um, I was real big on sports. That's really was my thing. I knew how to make money, mm-hmm. but that was just something I learned from like my father and my mother and working hard and just being around West Indian people. So um, it was more mainly sports for me. Um, I kind of hurt my knee my senior year. My knee and my pinky, actually. Yes, my pinky. And uh, I don't know. I just, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to go to the NFL. And it was NFL bus for me. Okay. And um, when I was in the 11th grade, my cousin, he was murdered. He was just a, he was a smart kid. You know what I mean? He wasn't really into like anything bad or anything. He was like a real school guy. Like he went to Catholic school. He got good grades. So I'm like, you know what? The least I can do is go to school for Mm -hmm. him. So that really got me over the top. Like, let me let me let me get this done. I could do it. I could do it for him. Like a way to honor his yes. legacy because he was a kid that was on the straight. And right. Battle. Right. So, um, yeah, went to college. Um, even then, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like, I was into movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, I'm the type of guy I would have to watch a movie twice because, like, I'm looking at how it was shot. I didn't right. really realize that. I think my mother picked up on me, like, being real animated and mm-hmm. artsy and stuff like that. So I remember when we, well, let me rewind. I had to, like, I got accepted to Delaware State University and I had to do a summer program because mm-hmm. those SAT scores. Right. So that six week program changed everything for me. I mean, I never studied that hard in my life. I was still in high school at the time, too. I didn't even graduate high school. Wow. Yeah. So like I did the program and then like maybe the fourth, it was a six week program, like the fourth week in. Then I graduated high school. It was that early. So they let you come and sort of do this program right. and say, all right, we're going to help you. Right get this diploma and then be prepared to start your freshman year. Yep. And I was meeting like the upperclassmen or they were real cool. And like, I felt like I got like mature in like Mm -hmm. three weeks. Like it just happened overnight. I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was in my subconscious that I could do this. Cause like, you know, my mother was real tough on me as far as like work and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's all they know is work hard. So, so then when the six week program was up, they like gave you opportunity to pick your major. And I was going to go to like accounting because like I feel like, oh, they make money. Right. And like I like business. But my mom kind of was like, no, maybe you should try like TV production. So she your mom, mom suggested she that. stared me to this. Like my mom, like she knew this was it for me. So thanks, mom. Shout out to moms. Right. Moms be knowing. Uh-huh. They know. Tell me. OK, so you pick your major, yeah. which is TV production. Yes. Then what happens? All right. like, how do you actually get experience in the field. All right. Well, at the time, TV production, like you needed a minor Mm -hmm. because I guess people didn't think that was a real thing. Got it. So the minor was counting. Okay. But then the next year they were like, oh, mass communication is like blowing up. That was the thing at the time. This can be like just one thing. You don't need a minor anymore. So I dropped that minor quick and um, we would like go around and shoot like basketball games Mm -hmm. to like like fake news stuff on campus. And you weren't doing like the and one mixtape type basketball nah, shots. Right? Would, okay. Nah, nah, nah. I did that after. College, <laughs> but yeah, we would do things like that. But the big thing was when my senior year, I had an internship and I had the opportunity to go to Italy and shoot documentaries. Wow. In Rome on like the Coliseum, the Trevi Fountain, the Vatican. Like that's when I knew like this is what I want to do. That's major. Yeah. But there's something else that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So 
I had the opportunity to go to Italy or I could have went to the to this conference in Cali um, in a uh, national black journalism conference. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have money to do both. So I chose the um, internship in Italy. Okay. All my friends went to Cali, all my classmates. And when they came back, they all got jobs at ESPN. All of them got hired. Every last one of them. So you were still in the States when they went. You just didn't have the money to do. To yeah, do I didn't have the money. On. Yeah, so so like, you're chilling back at home. Yeah. They all fly out to Cali. Mm-hmm. Go to this conference, right. interview or whatever, right. network politic, and they all come back with job offers. Yep. So you're go- still going to Italy, yeah, right? I, I went to Italy. Were you I, back yet? Or? We came back kind of like at the same time. Okay. So they came back. Oh, man, we got jobs at ESPN. ESPN's in Connecticut. Right. That's where home I'm turf for you. Yeah. yeah. And they're from New York, Baltimore, DC. And they're like, yeah, we all got jobs. I'm just like, I think I made a mistake. So did you immediately think you made a mistake or were you like, well, let me see what I can make pop now that I'm home? Well, no, because when that happened, this was like right before graduation. So like graduation, the day of graduation, I was pissed. I was just there angry. Right. And my aunt's like, oh, what's wrong? You're graduating. I'm like, I know I'm about to hit the real world now. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't have a job. What if I just went to Cali? I would be you right. know what I mean? So that that's where, like, I didn't know what to do. I questioned everything at that moment. So when I graduated, I found a job at Enterprise. I thought it was a manager trainee position. OK. But it was a car rep. I was cleaning cars. OK, so let's pause. So you come back from Italy. Your friends get these jobs at like coveted jobs at right. ESPN. If anybody knows anything about trying to get into television. Yes. The fact that even multiple people got offers is amazing to me. Right. At the same conference from the same place all your friends. So that in and of itself, like it's like they took them as a unit and then you're a part of the unit, but you were left out. Yes. You go to Italy. Do you have footage when you come back, like a portfolio or something? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you have stuff. Yes. So were you applying to other places? But just not getting any bites? They actually told me, yeah, we could talk to, I don't put her name up, but we could talk to this woman Mm -hmm. and she'll help you. We told her about you and we actually got on the phone, spoke, Mm -hmm. but like she was giving me the runaround. Got it. And it just, it never happened. I mean, as I was like, working at Enterprise cleaning cars we would email back and forth and I just it just wasn't working so cleaning cars cleaning cars for eight eighty five an hour oh my gosh what were your friends making at ESPN do you know maybe they were like production assistants mm-hmm. so maybe like 13 14 right not that much more but the experience yeah, that the they're experience, getting right they were, oh I just saw Stephen A. Smith today mm-hmm. and I'm like oh man I, the crazy thing is at Enterprise I worked at the airport I would see those guys at the airport but I'm cleaning cars and they're behind the scenes oh with the cameras. So okay, I so was upset. Of course. Like you're you're making eight eighty five. And probably if you were making eight eighty five within your field, yeah. it would have felt better. Right. Yeah. You're investing in yourself, you're right. getting an experience. But no, you're making eight eighty five to like vacuum cars yeah, out and the stuff. The nastiest thing. I'm and then you. like doing the walk around to yes, check the damage. Right. Okay. How long did you do that? Four years. Four years. And out of those four years, I think my pay got up to like nine, ten. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So you got a 25 cent That's raise. It. I mean, during the mix, because like I could tell you right now, maybe mm-hmm. like two years in, I was that guy who's like trying to call people for like pyramid schemes and stuff like that. Oh, so like I called Mitchell one day, my partner, like, hey, man, I, I'm in this thing. You know, I just need your help if you sign up. He's like, what is it? I'm like, I just need you to watch this video. He's like, pyramid scheme. I'm like, you don't even know what it is. You have to watch it. Pyramid scheme. I'm just like. But you're just trying to supplement your income. Yeah, right? I was just trying to. I I, I could have done anything. Mm-hmm. Anyone offered me any type of dream, I would have took it because I, right. I was hurt. Yeah. So those pyramid schemes didn't work. Let's just say that. And um, one day I was just cleaning cars and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to swipe this credit card that I got in college. So let's rewind mm-hmm. my freshman year of college. I was hungry, starving one day. They got you with like the free t-shirt right. and everything. And this is exactly what happened. Right in front of pizza. It said free large pizza. Oh, yeah. Sign up for this credit card. It never fails. You know me. I'm like, oh, free pizza. So I signed up and I was like, he was like, you don't have to, you know, you could cut it up when it comes in the mail. They always tell you, you that. Yeah, you don't have to sign up. This is just, you know, sign your name. You get the pizza and that's it. And the card came in the mail. My mom told me, hey, there's a card here for you. My mom likes to shop. So she was just like, but she knows me. She knows I'm I'm smart mm-hmm. with money. So she was like, hey, there's a card here. Um, Maybe you should use it. Build your credit. I'm going to send it to you. Okay. So she sent me the card. And I did good. I had like a work study job mm-hmm. on campus. And um, like I would get food and gas. I drove my car to school. So um, 
I was like on top of it. But you were paying the bill. You weren't like I was college bill, students no. who were like free money and just no. racking up all this credit yeah, card no, debt. So I you started in a good place. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen, I think credit, most people won't agree with me, but credit cards to me have been my best friend. Mm-hmm. So we could fast forward to like, that was like my first credit card at 18. So I realized, oh, I have this credit card. That probably had a limit that was increasing over the yeah, years. Right. Okay. So I you never got checked some it. Available just, credit. Okay. Yeah. So I checked and I was like, oh, I got 1500 you know, credit line on here. Thought about it. I said, you know what? I'm just going to buy a MacBook and a DSLR camera. Mm-hmm. These new cameras that were coming out that I saw. And I'm just going to try my luck. So I swiped for, yeah, 1500 I maxed it out. And there was no doubt in my mind I wasn't going to pay it back. I paid it back in a year. So, like, that was, like, the first time I really felt like I had control. Yeah. I was going on interviews. Nobody was hiring me. I had the portfolio. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared. That moment, I was like, I have control. So I bought the camera and I started calling people like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I have this camera. I want to, you know, shoot some things, you know, get my name out there. So people are like, all right, yeah, yeah, just, you know, whenever you're ready, you know, call us. So my friend, my friend Shay, her god sister was getting married. This is like a day or two after I called her and told her I had this camera. She was like, hey, my god sister's getting married. She doesn't have a videographer. I didn't give her a gift. So maybe, you know, for practice, you could shoot the wedding and we can give it to her as a gift mm-hmm. together. I'm like, dang, I didn't even like really pick up this camera. Right? Did you like turn it on, figure out how to work no, it? Because at I that was point, just... DSLR was new. So it's not like equipment you were familiar with. Right. Okay. Right. Not at all. And then, okay, let me ask this though. Because if you've been to a major event, right? I've been to weddings. I've been to galas. It's always more than one camera. Right. So how are you going to work this without the lights and all that stuff? And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to do this. She's Mm -hmm. like, just do it. It's practice. And then I'm like, well, all right. Yeah, it's not like she's paying me for it. True, true. So she can't be upset. So I accepted the challenge and I shot the wedding and I edited the wedding. If I look back at it from the weddings that we do now. You might cringe now, right? Yeah, I wouldn't. We'll get to that. But one camera. One camera. Okay. Handheld. No tripod. <laughs> How did you keep it steady? Because you know, I see the the shoulder joints right. and all that stuff. I don't know, man. It was it was okay. rough. All right. Eight hours. Oh my gosh. And um something happened at that wedding though. I met this guy, this black photographer. His name is uh Keith Clayton. And I'm like, I've never seen a black photographer in my entire like I didn't know mm-hmm. they exist. So I saw him and um I'm asking him like, hey, you, you do this full time? Like, you know, just asking him questions. He's like, Yeah, this is like my full time job. I'm like, how? Like, he was like, you know, I've been in corporate America first and then like I took the leap. And I'm like, you know, like that changed my whole mindset. Just seeing him and his wife, him and his wife, these two black couple together shooting this wedding. And then I didn't really have my business skills up, but Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, how much are they paying for this? So you just asked him? I just asked him. They're like, how much? And he was like, all right, don't ever ask (laughs) anybody (laughs) that. But, um. He told me the number and I'm telling you, it was it was literally what it would make at Enterprise. It would take me six months, six months. Six he months. was making for one wedding, one wedding. So that's when the light bulb went off. That's when it went okay. off. I said, I think I did the right thing. And this was in 2010. OK, he was making a lot of money. So 2010, you find out that someone for taking pictures is making what it's going to take you six months yeah. of like scraping gun, gum off the carpet in the right. car to make. But did you say at that point, I'm taking taking the leap. I'm just doing this. Or were oh, you yeah, like, no. let me build. No, I'm portfolio. taking the leap. I, after that, I started going to everybody in sight. Uh, Brandon Frame, the Black Men Ken. Yeah. I, I found these people. And um, the real thing was I met these these sports trainers or like gym trainers, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call them. Um, I started doing work for them and um, for free. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking like I didn't have no business sense at all. Like everybody, make sure you know your pricing. Make yes. sure you know your worth. Because I did these videos for these guys and I'm seeing their business grow because of me. Mm-hmm. Like more more people who are wanting to work with them. They're coming into their gym. And like the thing was, I bartered service. I said, if you if you like let me work out right. here, I'll do the videos. Like, so many young entrepreneurs do this. And I don't mean young in age. I just mean young in the business right. where you just want the exposure. You want the experience. And people love to barter. And I'm not saying that it's not worthwhile in some 
relationships and in some situations, but you really have to stop and like calculate, like what's the value of my service versus the value of their service? Because you might be in a situation where if you just paid me, I could pay to work out of your gym and I still have a surplus of money, but I digress. Right. Absolutely. So I was doing that for a while. Mm -hmm. Then like, so in this gym, there's all different types of trainers. Okay. So this other guy, he came up to me and was like, Hey man, your videos are amazing. How much do you charge? And I'm just like, I, I, I don't know. I'm just staring at him with this blank stare. And he's like, look, I want you to shoot a promo video for me. You go back, give me a price and we'll discuss and see if it works. I didn't really do any research. I was just so happy. I was like, let me think of a number. That's just a lot to oh, me. Oh boy. So I was like, maybe my work check. Like, let me see. He's going to say no. So you just said whatever you were making at Enterprise yes. for a week? Like, for two weeks. For two week. weeks. Okay. Just, all right. Came back. I was like, 600 bucks. And he was like, all right. Damn. Quick. He went to his wallet. He wrote a check. <laughs> he shook my hand. He wrote a check. He's like, all right. Now I need a contract. I'm like, contract? Like, I never. <laughs> right. So then I had to go back home and make a contract. So I'm like, you know what? Let me do some research. I'm going online, seeing how much. Let me actually look and see mm-hmm. for what I'm doing. Like, I'm shooting it and I'm editing it. Those are two different fees I'm starting right. to realize. And like, I probably could have made like 12, 1300 bucks. Right. Because here's what I'm wondering. You already asked photography man at the wedding. What was he making for that day? Right. And he told you thousands. six months. Yeah. Okay? Thousands. Yeah. So six months is what? Six times four. That's 24 weeks. Yeah. Of salary, Look, right? Then this man asks you, right. what are you going to charge me? And then you only say two weeks of salary. Yeah, yeah. You didn't connect the dots I there. I wasn't thinking. So I know so it's hard when you're on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Happened on the spot. Mm-hmm. I got nervous. So whatever. Did it for 600 bucks. Video came out great. And then he wanted to do more work. Okay. So the trainer guys that I worked with found out I got paid. So they came up to me and said, hey, if it wasn't for us, you would have never got this opportunity. We deserve like t- a 10% they want cut. They kickback? They wanted money from me. Okay, tell me you didn't give it to them. Nah, that okay. was, that's when that's I, where you drew the line. Yeah, that's where I drew the line. I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I don't want to barter services no more. This, that, and the third. Let's just let's just like do it for money purposes. The relationship got kind of shaky, but I must admit, like they introduced me to Brandon Frame. Mm-hmm. You know. They introduced me to a lot of people that I probably would have never met. So I can't be mad at them, but they kind of crossed the line to me. You can't be mad. However, that's a byproduct of being a client of somebody. If if you're happy with the work, you refer. That's what you do. That's how businesses are built. Right. So still, shame on them. I'm not saying you should be mad, but I mean, come on now. Yeah, they probably going to hear this, but yeah, I was wrong. And I'm saying shame on you. Right. But anyway. So, um, yeah, so now I'm like, I'm building some momentum in in my area and um, I'm shooting like parties, being one mixtapes mm-hmm. type basketball. And one mixtapes would fly though back then. I worked <laughs> in was, food action in yeah, high school, it was, so it was cool. It wasn't in one, but like little basketball leagues yeah. in the area I would shoot. Like champion sneaker mixtape. It wasn't like right, one, right. but yeah. Like Kimba Walker came down a couple times. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got some footage of Kimba, you know, UConn players because okay. I'm in Connecticut. So, um, yeah, that was cool. And then, you know, I'm still like, things is off and on. Mm-hmm. I'm not making that much money still. I'm and are you still, still at Enterprise? I'm still at Enterprise, okay. but like I'm getting tired of it and um, I'm getting tired of the things that I'm shooting. Like it didn't really have su- substance to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like, what can I do? So like, it was crazy. We were at work one day and like one of my coworkers were like, man, she looks, she looks good for a dark skinned woman. Like she oh, he said gosh. that and I'm like, it was like this back and forth commotion with this, with this girl and this guy at my job. Like, oh, what's, what you mean? She look good for a dark skinned woman. Like, you know, it was like a big commotion. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, Like people in my age range, I don't think this is something like we talk about Mm -hmm. on a big scale. Or like one time I met someone who told me like, I'm not black, I'm Jamaican. And I was just like, okay. And like, she was like, black as my pants. So I was kind of confused. So in my head, I was like, you know what? In the Caribbean community, like this is like a big thing. Right. So I was like, let me, let me talk about this. And what year was this? This was 2013. Because it's important to make that distinction. I think people now know Right, it's a big thing now. All the viral stories about bleaching within... African and West Indian right. and all this stuff. But back then, it wasn't being it wasn't. discussed I as did much. my research. I didn't mm-hmm. see it online like that. I was like, maybe I could shoot like a series. So I came up with this series called Color Struck. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, my mom was giving me ideas on it. And like, I was like, all right, let me do this. So one of my friends who works at BET, just to fast forward, one of my friends who work at BET, like he called wind of it. He was like, hey, I have some people you could interview here. And I was like, oh, okay. So they heard my idea. I, um, I interviewed like his supervisor, some people who worked there. And they're like, hey, if you finish this, you know, maybe we could like help you out. There might be some opportunity. Right. There. So in my head, I was thinking, 
right, I'm still broke. How long can I do this for? Like, mm-hmm. like they wanted me to shoot like six or seven, like a full package. And it's just me by myself. Right. So I got a little discouraged and I was just like, eh, all right. So I kept trying, but I got a call from this job that I work at right now, State of Connecticut Department of Transportation. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that call came, I don't know. I don't know if y'all remember this episode of Fresh Prince. You remember when Jeffrey thought he won the lotto? <laughs> And he was like, yes, he was like, I quit. I quit. Yes, I quit. Like that's. And he dropped the vase. I yes. called everyone and said, "Don't call me for video. I quit. I'm done." Like. I got this job. They told me to pay. I never made this type of money in my life. Yes. I quit. I didn't want to do it anymore. I dropped video for three years. All right. So there are two things that I think were at work here. One of which you already touched on, right? Stability. Right. And if you're someone who has been struggling in your craft or like a job that, you know, if you're underemployed, a job you're overqualified for and somebody offers you a significantly higher salary and and not to mention benefits if you were work for the state. Right. right. Yes. Good situation. Yes. People might listen to this and say, well, how do you go from being so passionate and having meetings with BET to this? But they don't understand what it it is to have instability. Right. And you're fighting for your craft, right. but it's not really happening in the time frame that you needed to. And you've been cleaning cars at this point yeah. for four years, yeah, right? Three, four Three, years. Four years. Yeah. So you see that and it's like, you know what? That all is cool, cool, but the stress and anxiety that comes with it, like I'm done. I understand that. So I think that was happening on one side. But do you think subconsciously it was a little bit of fear too? Like a major network saying, I was, we want to see what yeah, you can I do Yeah, I thought here. they were going to see and be like, oh, this, is, mm-hmm. this isn't good. Like I was actually hoping for a way out. Yeah. And then like, but at the same time, I was hoping for a good job too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look, I had dreads at the time. I got that job. I cut my hair myself. I started, you went right into I, corporate I, I didn't, mode. I didn't care. I changed completely. Mm-hmm. And um, something was happening, but it led to this moment right here. Mm-hmm. So I got this job. I called everybody to look, don't call me no more. I'm done. People were kind of disappointed that I sure. didn't finish Color Struck. Like, oh man, I, I was looking forward to your, your little series, but I, I didn't care. And you were ahead of the curve at the time. Yeah, so and, you were. And all my friends who worked at ESPN quit. They hated ESPN. So it wasn't even a good environment. Nope. They and all that, quit. That's another thing people don't understand. All these entertain, entertainment jobs look so glossy right. on the outside. And right. if you know the inner workings, many of them don't pay that well. Right. Enterta- entertainment, there are a lot of people who work in it, but it's a small percentage at the top yes. who are making all the real money. They were telling me this. Yes. Yeah, so yep. there's that. The environments can be hostile, toxic, and just not what you think it should yeah. be. No you don't know off, it until you get into it. Working holidays. It's not for the faint Seven heart. days a week and still getting paid pennies. Yeah. They actually admired me doing what I was doing of on course. my own. They were like, man, I wish I could do what you were doing. So like, I think God was like, if I would have worked at ESPN out the gate, I don't even know mm-hmm. if I would even be doing this right now. Right. So, um, but like I said, I quit for three years and um, at my job, I started like getting into like stocks and investing mm-hmm. and stuff because I'm like, you know, I'll make some money now. Like, yeah. let's, let's get the portfolio going. Get my hands in some things. So I um, started doing some research like my supervisor, like he's real big on stocks. So I would be with him a lot. And like he bought like Amazon stock when it was like a hundred bucks. Oh, man, the, the thing is, the thing is, he he sold it at 300. So now it's like 1800. Right. So, but like just seeing those types right. of things, I was like, I got to get my I got to put my hands in this game. So, uh, you know, my, my portfolio is pretty good. I, nice. ca- I called up some friends mm-hmm. and I asked them like like the partner. I was like, hey. We should all put our money in this pot and buy stocks every month. I asked six people. Only one person said I'm with my friend Justin. So we do that to this day. Mm -hmm. Like every month we'll take like whatever we have and we'll put it in this pot. And then like he'll choose a stock one day, one month, and then another month I'll choose a stock. So then, you know, getting my hands wet and investing in life insurance and just Mm -hmm. reading up on things. I remember my mother, she gave me a rich dad poor dad when I was 18. So like I skimmed through the book, Mm -hmm. but then like. I went back to it and was like, all right, eventually I got to get my hands in real estate. So um, one day Mitchell calls me, my business partner right now, and he goes, yo, I see this house in Philadelphia for pennies for where it is. And it's in a booming neighborhood. Like it was like 12 a.m. I'll never forget. He was like going crazy. Like we just need this amount of money and I can buy this house. Mm-hmm. 
it's like four of us or whatever. So I'm like, you know what? I have the money. I invested it. We bought the house in Philly. And uh, so now I'm like, you know, I have stocks. I got a house. I'm, I'm 25. You want your 26. grown man. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, video? Who, <laughs> Who cares about that? that? Like, they're not getting paid doing that. But um, I am watching it here and there. And mm-hmm. like, I'm seeing it grow. So I'm like, dang. Like, two, three years into work, I'm like, this work is getting kind of kind of tiring. Monotonous. Boring. Yeah. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I wasn't really feeling it tedious. Like, I learned it so fast. I was like, you know, the pay is good. Benefits right. is good. But this is not really what I want to do. I do love my job now. Let's not. Let's put that let's, out there because yeah, you still, you still are right, in I'm this still job. there. Mm-hmm. But it's not my passion. So then Mitchell calls me again. Mitch is like all up Jesus and through. He's knocking on yes. the door. So he calls me again and goes, hey, I'm about to have a son. So I'm like, oh, wow. Congratulations. I was wondering if you could take pictures for my baby shower. Mitchell, I don't do pictures anymore. Video. No. So you Yo. were literally adamant about this. Like, yeah. That's behind me. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. Oh, my son, he kind of asked me again. I was like, you know what? I could do it for him. Mm-hmm. The baby shower came and like Mitchell's little brother, his friend came and he bought a camera too. I okay. still had my old camera from 2010. The old joint. He Which came, in technology terms right, is ancient. Yeah. Yes. Ancient. So he came in with this new technology, softbox, nice new camera. And like, I could see Mitchell looking at him like, maybe this guy should be taking the pictures. You know, I, I kind of felt some type mm-hmm. of way. I was like, who's this young guy think? You know, this is... His little ego was yeah, running yeah, up to like, you yeah. know, someone comes in with equipment, you kind of look and see. But I ain't care. I brushed it off. I'm like, he don't got no pension, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> My retirement yeah, portfolio, he, was, he, he might that. not have that. Yeah, no, that's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But he don't have it. So I was, you know, trying to find some ways to make myself feel better. Took the pictures for him. Um, that was that. A couple weeks later, Mitchell comes back. Hey, man, I'm wondering. I want to take like video and pictures of my son growing up every day. I want to do this like mm-hmm. montage of my son. What camera should I get? I'm like, you got the iPhone 7, man. The it works. Yeah, this is a good phone. Like, you don't need to spend money on this camera. He's like, I do. Like, I want to I want to make sure this is this means a lot to me. This is Thanksgiving now. 20, 2016, 2017, 2016. Um, I'm like, all right, I'll come meet you to Best Buy. Should we go to Best Buy? You think he's setting you up like in hindsight? I don't know. Now? You feel I like don't he was know. trying to pull Maybe. you out of the game? He was okay. something. So you go to Best Buy. And like I'm playing with the cameras and I'm like a kid in a candy store all over again. Like, oh, wow, the, the new technology. Mm-hmm. I haven't played with cameras in so long. And this was like, I could see him looking like, yo, I think we need one of these. I'm like, no, we don't. This is like $1,200 mm-hmm. or whatever. So... To speed it up, Mitchell convinced me. He was like, why'd you stop doing your video thing? I was like, man, I, I didn't have help. I really, you know, it was just me. He was like, like I like, I want to get into this. Mm-hmm. I want to help you. He really convinced me. He wanted to help me. So I was like, you know what? He was like, you helped me with my real estate dream. I want to help you with your, you know, your film. Which your is video. a real friend. Real right friend. There, yes. Real friend, man. Like to this day, like, yeah, I could I could tear up right now, but he, he really wanted to help me. So I was like, you know what? Fine. So he was like, all right. So we bought the these cameras, right? Mm-mm. How much did you spend at Best was, Buy? Hold oh, on, oh, oh, here it goes. Okay. They was 1200 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Mitchell's an engineer. I'm like an engineer doing myself. Right. Yeah. We're doing all right. Cool. So then we get the cameras, right? Then Mitchell sees these other cameras and he goes, I don't like it. We need that camera. We need this camera. Like, if we really going to do this, we need this camera. So then we return the cameras, right? We walk out of Best Buy spending $8,000. Each or together, total? Together. Okay, but still, eight grand. Eight grand. You really let Mitch hype you up that day. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm, I'm, I don't spend like that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not like, I swiped for, you know, the Mac and mm-hmm. the, but like, he was just like, oh, yeah, we need this. So that's that's when Taylor Made was born. Like, that Your movie. company, Taylor Made Visual, Visual Productions. Productions. Yeah. So you've been now doing cinematography, and we should make clear that Mitch is your partner. That's my business partner. Yes, yes. your business partner. Yep. So now you have this whole company around cinematography, but you still do your day job. Yes. Right. Which we've brought this up on the show before. Right. It's also commendable because people try to say, like, if you're an entrepreneur who still has a job, right. that you're not really about it. Right. But you're for some people, yeah, there's something to be said for doing both, which is a dance and a juggle. Listen, it's, I, it's not a game to have a full time job and do something else as well. I take pride in it. 
I mean, it gives you leverage because every month, let's just be honest, mm-hmm. every you're not making the same amount Peaks every and month. So people could put on a, you know, a show mm-hmm. on, online and, you know, like like we talked about before, people show you what they want. Right. Social you know? media, that facade that people right, put out. Right. So, um, yeah, so that happened and I'm like, all right, so we got these cameras mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, what are we going to do? So I actually saw an ad in newspaper, newspaper now. Some people, you know, look online. Right. My mom's saw this ad my mother saw this ad mm-hmm. and she gave it to me and she was like oh there's a wedding expo right maybe you guys should she kind of gave me the idea like do something like mm-hmm. call them or something so I was like you know what maybe I can do like a video for them for some content mm-hmm. because I couldn't show the old content right I wanted to change the brand I told Mitchell if I'm gonna do this no rap videos no models no mixtape rappers you weren't doing that yeah um, no, no, no models none of that I just I want something clean I want something with substance. So I'm like, we got to, you know, we got to start building, building content again. So I reached out to this, uh, the ex, like, I, I can't really say the name because I had to sign an NDA, sure. but, um, so I asked them, Hey, can I shoot your expo, you know, just for content? And they were like, sure. And then they also told me, we'll give you a booth in exchange. They thought I was asking for money. I was, I was going to do it for free. You were just going to do it off the strength for the exposure, for but now they're offering you an opportunity to market your services as well. That changed everything. So now that we have this wedding expo, Expo in place, you know, me and Mitchell had a discussion and we talked about buying more equipment, which means more swiping of the credit card. Mm-hmm. So um, we bought some more gadgets to uh, at least look like we can play the part at the wedding <laughs> look expo. Look legit, right. Right, because we didn't have any footage of weddings or anything at that time. So um, it was basically us just freestyling to clients like, hey, look, you know, we don't have any footage or anything like that, but um, this is our equipment right here and we're actually filming this wedding expo. And basically, like when people saw us filming the wedding expo, they kind of believed like we were legit. So that's how we were able to like get at least four clients. I think we booked that day. But here's the thing: like that is somebody's special day. You only get one shot. Right. Hopefully, if it works out. Right. I'm not sure I'm booking a videographer whose footage I have not seen. Right. Now, let me tell you this, though. If I tell you the price. <laughs> OK, so that's why it was that was the draw. That was the draw. So like the first wedding we shot, we only charged 500 bucks. No, you didn't. <laughs> 500. I'm done. Okay. 500 bucks. OK, for context, for people who have never done the budget for a large scale event. Right. What is the standard or the average cost for shooting video and photography? For a wedding. Oh, if I had to give you a range, a number for both. I mean, I know people, just photographers charge like four or five, three to five grand. Yes, just for just one, not even both elements. And then, you know, some videographers, same amount, five, six grand. So if you add that together, I mean, you're 10 plus. So you you said to people for $500. I didn't, like, here's the thing. I didn't say that to everybody. Okay. So like, you know, certain people would, you know, say, hey, since, since we didn't see your footage, I mean, you know, work with us. Mm -hmm. And like, I just needed, I knew, you know, once we booked those people, regardless if it was for $500 or for nothing, the minute we get some content, the five, I was thinking ahead. I was thinking of the future. So I sacrificed some money on the line to, you know, for the greater good, which for right now, things are looking good. So So what were you offering for $500? Well, we did, that was photos. So Mitchell, he did the photos for that wedding. And um, in that wedding, we decided to do video for them for free. So th- you comp the video. Portion. Right, right. We comp the video portion. They ended up giving us like a tip after for doing that. But it wasn't 5000 no, Not at all. Not even close. Tip. But what happened was, you know, they told a bunch of other people mm-hmm. and then it just was like snowball effect after that, which I already knew was going to happen as long as I had proof of work to show. But, you know, that day at the expo, um, you know, it was one person, one couple paid $500 for photos and then like another couple for video, we charged them 1200 bucks, which is nothing again. So, uh, so you ended up, you, you're doing video. Did you present like edited, like cinema, cinematography for these folks for their wedding? Or was it just like, okay, you paid $500 or $1,200 well, no, footage? I had like old footage back from when I was, um, you know, doing my own thing years ago. But um, I had the packages there 
I told him, this is what I told him too. You know, we're filming this expo. Let me send this to you. And then, you know. No, I when, mean, when you, when you were done. So right. like when you charge them, I feel like I can't even say $500. Well, well, I feel well, like I gotta say $500. Like it's so low, well, you can't even enunciate. The, the booking but, didn't happen that day though. Okay, you know what I mean? Yes. So like they saw the wedding expo video. And then even still, that's not a wedding. Right. But I'm saying what you you charge them so little that right. you actually edit their wedding video to look like, yes. you know, what yes. we see yes. now. These, I mean, people have like whole trailers. For yes. Now. Yes. We did the same thing. <laughs> we did the same exact thing. OK. So you got more work. Right. After that. And how did you expand your business from that from that point on? So after that. So we booked those weddings. Um, that was yeah. We booked those weddings, and then um, after that, we had like little events mm-hmm. going on like through throughout that year. So we just started cold calling people, just saying, "Hey, we do this, doing we do that," and people were just you know finding a way to just believe in us. We were really just talking, freestyling it, mm-hmm. really. So when we did those four weddings that year, so we fast forward to the beginning of 2018, and um. We did another barter service with another wedding expo company. So we found a way to film expos out in Baltimore, D.C. And um, for Philly, we paid for the Philly Expo. They didn't want to barter services mm-hmm. for us with that. So um, after we did that, we were able to have the product we had from 2017 to book some weddings out in that DMV area because that's yes. essentially like we wanted to expand. Like I always talked to Mitchell and he always told me like he never wanted to be local. Like as far as like, you know, we're from Connecticut, mm-hmm. but he lives in Philly. He always thought bigger. Like right. let's 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 take this whole East Coast. So then we started calling people and that's how we ended up shooting um wedding expos out in the DMV area. And um we booked more weddings there and then things just kept spiraling after that and now we're here. And what does the credit card balance look like today? Oh man, the credit. <laughs> yeah, we gotta touch base on that. So yeah, more more swiping of the credit card mm-hmm. happened. Um, but we were paying it off actively from the money that we got, even though it wasn't that much money. Um, we both have, uh, we all have jobs because it's just not me and Mitchell and um mm-hmm. Taylor May. We have two other guys. We all have full time jobs, so we're just paying it down. Um, you know, we got the real estate thing going on. So when this when this house sells, we'll be debt free. Yeah, let's talk about the real estate thing because it's come up a couple of times on the show. People who are pursuing their passions either full-time or doing that on the side and also have a full-time job right but are utilizing real estate as a way to generate re- wealth right. and pay off debt so how did you get into the real estate space well um you know my family they own a couple of two families out in the Hartford area mm-hmm. so like I've always been exposed to it um something I always wanted to do uh, Mitchell talked about it too but like like I said Mitchell kind of had the idea of bringing his friends together we all paid a you know a decent amount of money to buy this house in Philly. Mm. And um, it made sense because he showed me it was in an area upcoming. He knows the market better than me out in Philly. So um, yeah, he just explained how if we just keep flipping houses, you know, we can make some good money. But at the time, Taylor May wasn't a thought. Okay. So um, when he when we did that deal, I was thinking, okay, like extra money. But then when he brought Taylor May to my, to my mind, like, you know, I want to help you pursue your dream. And when we were swiping our cards, we was also thinking, well, we had this money sitting in this house house. Mm-hmm. So essentially like if even though we're swiping for like equipment, it's still a, it's more so an investment. And because, you have equity somewhere And we have else. equity somewhere else. And once we build clientele, those gigs can pay off the credit card as well. So like I'm doing that right now. Like if we shoot a wedding and when I pay myself, I just automatically put it on my credit card. Mm-hmm. So I'm not out here with just a balance and, you know, <laughs> you know getting the checks from the right, wedding. Right. And just spending it. Right. Nah, yeah. So you have a couple of endeavors that you're doing with friends. Right. A lot of times there's a suspicion when even someone that, you know, comes to you and says, I have this real estate investment opportunity or, hey, we should start this business. I just need you to put up this money and I'll put up that money. I don't want to say that that it's, that's exclusive to in communities of color, the, the level of suspicion and mistrust, but it does happen. People right. are afraid to take what little they have and dump it into an opportunity that can generate a return, but it's not necessarily going to generate a return right away. Right. So for you, did you ever have that like hesitance around it or, or a moment of like, should I do this? Should I dump all this money? Should I rack up all this debt? I, I did. I mm-hmm. did. When, when Mitchell brought it to me, I'm like, 
you know, we're not going to sign no contract tonight. He's like, no, nah, I mean, I trust these guys. I, just, I went off of the pure trust of So you him. had no contract for a no, real estate deal? No, no contract. Mitchell, Mitchell got all that stuff under control. So, like, I wasn't really worried, you know. So, like, I trust him with my life. Mm-hmm. So um, when he brought it to my attention, I didn't really think more so about, you know, someone like, taking the money or anything once I knew he was in control I felt good about it so it may it may be too because you guys have such a history right well. it wasn't like somebody you just met right last year and I know now that Mitchell is very convincing yeah and he will have you believing that anything is possible. That's that's his thing. And you're like, where do I write the check? Right, you know, right. so he has a certain je ne sais quoi, as they say. No, you're right. Because mm-hmm. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a credit card spender like that. But Mitch was like, we're going to spend the money anyway. We might as well do it right now. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, you're right. Like, let's let's do it. So, um, but I, I want to touch back on um when we were filming, um, we were at the wedding expo. Mm-hmm. So um, this wedding expo that passed, you know, we were in Connecticut. And um, a lot of black people were supporting us at these expos. Really? We were like one of the only black videographer businesses, cinematography businesses there. So um, this guy, like white guy comes up to me he goes hey man i see you guys doing like some big numbers over here this time third, a lot of people are coming over here um i see some of the white people kind of like walking past you though and i'm like mm, all right i mean yeah, i didn't notice because they were back. right they were they were i didn't notice that he was like you know i think you guys need a white face really yeah he was like you guys need someone white to represent you guys because you guys are so talented he was looking at our videos and stuff like that and he was just telling me like hey maybe we should talk about you know me like just representing your company as the face so we can get some more white clientele and I'm just thinking like that's when I knew right there like we doing something big because Mm -hmm. this guy had big cameras all types of stuff and nobody was paying him no mind like I think he kind of outpriced himself you know what I mean and I'm I just kind of figured out the market as far as you know just giving a product for my people if if, if people if white people want to come I'm open to that too right, I'm not saying yeah but you know I do this I want to give quality video for my people because I always felt like you know I would see like wedding videos on YouTube and I would look at the prices and I'm like damn like I know people can't afford these prices right. But if we have a good product and we could kind of make it affordable, but still make a profit, we could kill the game. So I just wanted to like bring that up because I found it kind of strange. Somebody white once is coming up to us saying, you know, we should have a white face. Well, it speaks to, well, I mean, he he said it explicitly, but it speaks to implicit bias. Right. So when people see you, a service provider who's ready, willing and able is at the expo, one of which you paid for. They're like, not really. But well, the Philly one, right? They wanted you to, right. to put some money out right, there. Right? Right. That's the one I mean that you right. paid for. Right. So like everybody else, you you are entitled to be there. But just by virtue of you being black men, only pers- black prospective clients coming to you. Right. Like, what does that say about the society that we live in? And I, and I think that is a, an obstacle for entrepreneurs in that when you look a certain way, there's already this expectation that is going to be subpar. And sometimes that crosses racial lines and right. that our own people feel that way as well. There's a there's a, an obstacle to overcome there to prove that you operate in a standard of excellence. And that doesn't go just for entrepreneurship. It goes for employment. Right. Any type of service that you provide, there is an implicit bias. Do you want to expand beyond serving your own? Tell the truth. Uh, I mean, I, I love my people. Mm-hmm. And I don't love money, but you need money, right. you know, to expand. So who's ever willing... Uh, a paying customer, I'm here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm here for a paying customer. If I have to, whatever color you are, I'm I'm here to serve you. Are they coming to you yet? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. But um, I'm not really. I don't. I don't worry about it at all. You know, I've done work. We've done work with a uh, Brooklyn Borough president, a couple other big companies that we can't discuss, but they own the product, and um, I'm I'm cool with that. Black companies as mm-hmm. well. You know what I mean? So um. As long as I'm, you know, my purpose in the beginning was, you know, I was thinking of my people. So, um, but I'm willing to work with anybody. Right. You know, that, that doesn't hinder, you know, anything. So let's talk about the products that you've done, the things that you've created that your name is not on. So someone has bought it off you and said, okay, we own the rights to this. We're going to slap our branding on it. Right. Have you ever had a moment where you did that and then something took off and you were like, man, my name is not even on that. And I know that it's my work. Oh. 
I wouldn't say it took off, mm-hmm. but it was like it's more so. I don't know. I feel like those gigs sometimes we we kind of get underpaid because mm-hmm. like you're going off the name. You could right. kind of get caught up in the name, and you want to work with a company so bad. Be able to say you work with right, them. and you're almost like underpricing yourself. You know, so sometimes I'm not really I'm not really looking for that, mm-hmm. but. It, it never really took off to where I was like, dang, my name is on it. feel like you it. missed them. Right, yeah, not yet. It hasn't, to, at least from my knowledge, you know what I mean? But um, no, it, that hasn't happened. But I think after when we shot the, when we um we went to the Philly Expo mm-hmm. and um we shot a wedding for a couple out there, a pastor, these two pastors, young pastors, um, this this um, moment of the wedding went viral. So um, I think that, actually put us in a different space now mm-hmm. that that made me feel good because like our name was on it right you know what I mean so like those moments right there is more like I would take over working with a big company like yeah but I think also too I want to highlight that from the time you guys were offering $500 packages just to get new footage and get your name out there until now the standard of excellence was never different so no, yeah. you operate with a certain eye and a right. level of creativity and dedication from day one. Right. And I think sometimes what happens is people have really great ideas and they they don't necessarily have the capacity or the motivation to put it out and as like their best foot forward right. and display the best of themselves, not knowing that you don't know where that's going to take you. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should always give people a deep discount. Right. But if you if it's something, if it can serve you in a way, which is a question that I always ask myself. Right. Because I believe when I step to the table, when I agree to do something, whether I'm doing it for free, discounted or at market rate, I'm going to give you 110 percent. Right. So so I don't and to make sure I don't resent giving you it at a discounted rate or for free, I ask myself a question. Is this somebody I just want to help? Right. Is this something that I can that can lift me up in a way or expand my brand or give me a new level of exposure? Or is there something they can give me in return? I ask those questions. And if I can answer one of those questions, then it makes sense. So for you, I think what you got in return is the collateral to be able to get the next gig and the next gig right. and the next gig. So operating under that that spirit of excellence and then now having a tipping point. Yeah. All the work you've been putting in and all the investing, not just, you know, in the monetary sense, but figuratively as well, investing the time. Now you've got something that's taken on a life of its own. Right. And people are like, who shot this? Look, I, when you look at that that credit card balance, mm-hmm. you're going to find a way. That was, <laughs> I used to look at it and there was no choice. Like, right. this has to happen. So, I'm I mean, and then I think my advantage was working a job. Mm-hmm. I think if I didn't work that nine to five or if I didn't have that, you know, the equity somewhere else, maybe I would have priced myself out. But me right. knowing that, you know, I, I make a pretty good income at my, you know, you my regular. I can, Yeah. So I just need the content. Mm-hmm. And that's I knew this was going to happen. I'm telling you, I knew I seen this from the beginning because. I don't think no one out in the videography business works harder than me and Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Like we we're willing to outwork anybody. Some people might have, you know, more equipment and other things, but as far as work ethic, right. we will travel anywhere. We will we will work sun up, sundown. Don't I know it? Yeah. You know personally. <laughs> so like that, like even already we've done destination weddings. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like I said, that Philly wedding, like that was huge. That was huge, man. Like on Twitter, like one day, I guess when me and Mitchell was let me tell you this, when me and Mitchell was editing that Philly wedding, mm-hmm. we knew this was gonna happen. Like he was telling me like this is gonna go viral is that not a great feeling though when you're doing something and the world doesn't know yet but you know this is something special listen we stayed up 36 hours 36 hours straight straight. edited that whole video the first 30 seconds we was just dancing (laughs) because we knew we, we we won we was like this this is flawless and um when the couple put it up, I guess like the black love page, like mm-hmm. reposted it. And then it just spiraled from that. So my friends were calling me like, hey, I see a video on Twitter and people were sharing it like that. As of right now, that was the best feeling for me. And like, not that I care about mm-hmm. like views or anything like that. But when people like actually notice the hard work and the grind and the progression, that does. And give you your it props. Gives me, yeah, 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 it does. It does keep me going. Right. It's a reinforcement to let you know that like you are on the right track. Right. Even though it's not, you're not necessarily at the destination or as big as you would like to be. Right. It's just showing that you, that you have something special and you have an eye for what you're doing. Yeah. And um, I just feel like we just found a way to like make ourselves an asset. Mm-hmm. So if I, if 
if we see a business and or you know someone i mean we could use y'all as an example mm-hmm. just anything that we see that we can help i'm going to find a way to just get in the room right like i will find a way in the room that's that's my whole thing like all right i, I need to get around these certain type of people how can we be an asset how right. can taylor may be an asset to a company and then me and mitchell we just we get to talking we show my work our work ethic i think a lot of people booked us clearly on our work ethic mm-hmm. and just our passion and just looking into my eyes and someone can see like I can't lose. I can't lose with this guy. Well, I mean, you made me a believer in our first right. conversation. Right. And I'm not easily convinced of anything. Right. So that says a lot. Um, so we've talked about the trajectory and how you guys have expanded the business over the last few years. But tell me about a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Oh, man, I could. All right. So um, so at the Weta Expo, we met this guy guy a photographer and um he was like oh man your equipment looks nice it's that and the third is a sweet 16 that i'm i'm taking pictures of I'll, I'll keep you posted so like he never responded you know i was asking mitchell hey did that guy ever you know give you a call he's like no so i ended up going on vac i had a vacation in january to go to puerto rico so i was in puerto rico and then like he called so M- mitchell he called mitchell so mitchell calls me while i'm in puerto rico and he's like hey the guy wants us to shoot this day, it's the same day I'm coming back from Puerto Rico. And I didn't take off that next day mm-hmm. from work. I'm, I'm like, you know, I got to build up the vacation right, time right. For, for gigs. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm like, oh, man, what time? And like my flight landed at four and the gig started at 630. Oh, my God. So, you know, I'm on vacation. So I'm not really trying to sleep or anything like that. And Mitchell's in Philly and this is in Connecticut. So, you know, Mitchell was being extraordinary that day as well because he had to drive all the way from Philly to Connecticut. He went to New York first, picked up some equipment, mm-hmm. and then he he met me in Connecticut. I got off the flight, went straight to the gig, took a shower, went straight to the gig, and and uh, we filmed this Sweet Sixteen, and um, that was that footage. You know, led to other things. Mm-hmm. So that was actually technically the first thing we recorded together. Really? Yeah, that was for free too. So you, it was for free, and you rushed back from a vacation yeah. and yep. did it anyway. Yep. And I mean, it takes that level of commitment. And this is like a message I want to get out, especially to 26ers, is that even if you are walking in your calling, if you are passionate about something, it's no, you know, it, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Right. There will be days where you still don't feel like mm-hmm. it, like period. And that is where you have to dig deep and say, no, I asked for this. And I have yeah. a really good friend when I get in my moods and I'm like, I'm so tired. I don't feel like doing any more right. 26 or info calls and recording. And she's like, well, you asked for this. Like, right. this is what you wanted. Right. And I have no response to that because it is true. So, there are going to be those moments where you have to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. And it means right. getting up even when you're exhausted and even when the return is not going to be immediate. Right. If you don't love it, don't do it. Right. Because if I didn't love there's no way for free I'm going to rush from my vacation. Right. Then I got to work the next day. And I just and this guy promised us, hey, I'm going to have I just need you guys to film this and I'll have another gig for you guys. He never Didn't called. Happen. I never heard. I never seen that guy again. Sounds about right. So, but, you know, I knew I was getting what we were getting ourselves into because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like it was he didn't have the next gig for us. Right. I was thinking I just need this content. Right. And I'm not going to need nobody. Got it. So. OK, so I know that you don't want to just shoot weddings and sweet 16s forever. So what's your vision for TaylorMade for the future? Um, You know, I'm I'm really into um documentaries. Mm-hmm. So uh, me and Mitchell have some um some ideas. Obviously, he probably wouldn't want me to talk about it right now. <laughs> It's in the works, but, um, you know, shooting documentaries, short films for me, I'm like, I'm, I want to keep it on the short film documentary to, you know, Mitchell has his own dreams too, that I would love to be a part of, but, um, I'm just more so into documentaries and helping like kids out of college work, work with us finance because no one wanted to hire me. So if I can go around the HBCUs specifically and, um, you know, grab these kids. Cause I mean, there was a point in time where, you know, I would be around my friends and like, you know, Mitchell went to Temple. Some of my friends went to UConn. So they're like, Oh, what school did you guys got? UConn Temple. Delaware State. What's that? You know, people act like they didn't know what my HBCU was to the point where 
I didn't want to tell people I went to the school mm-hmm. because I don't know. I felt like I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. But now I realize my HBCU prepared me for this because I remember the first day I walked into class five minutes late and my teacher, Miss Ava, she closed the door on me and she was like, in life, you got to be 10 minutes early. Like me being a black man. Right. So like I, I didn't feel like just a number mm-hmm. at my school. Like teachers really spent time with me and prepared me for life. So if I could grab those students up and, and I'm not discriminating against kids who went to Temple or anything like mm-hmm. that, you know, but specifically, you know, black or bl- black males or black women who are into cinematography and stuff. I would love for them to come work with us. And we just built this thing around the nation. Taylor made East, Taylor made West, North, South. Then you go international, baby. Right. <laughs> right. That's my dream. Awesome. So where can people find you online? Uh, Instagram, taylor.made.vp. That's the Instagram website, tailoredvp.com. If y'all want to follow me, um, I'm A underscore Wayne 88. Instagram. Might want to follow now, you know, get that Oscar later. People want right, to say that right. they hear you. And if I don't get an Oscar, it's cool. Cause or at least an NAACP right. image award. Don't right. hate on the awards just for right, us. Right. Right. But, 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 but I must say... Um, you know, it's crazy. Um, I always told myself I was going to be on the podcast mm-hmm. one day, but I was always envisioning Combat Jack. Rest in peace to Combat Jack. Right? So then when you told me, you know, you actually knew him and mm-hmm. he was your mentor, like this almost feels like this was like meant to be. Yeah. The first person outside of my inner circle that heard about December 26th before it was even a podcast. Right. New York Tech Day, we were out on the floor, um, the main symposium. And I said, hey, I got this concept. And I like broke it down to him. He was there being Combat Jack right. at the Red Bill Music, Music Academy. And uh, he was like, that's so dope. And he recommended a couple of books I should read. And, you know, we never got a chance to talk about this podcast format. But the Combat Jack show is one of the things that inspired me to take up this media. Wow. And, um, you know, and and present stories this way, right. not just in written form, but in audio and very soon in video. Right. Thanks to you and Mitchell. Right, right. We're here for your video needs. I mean, I have something great, man. This, this podcast is amazing. I and just had to say that. I just want to definitely give honor to Reggie Ose, aka Combat Jack. We've done it before on this show, but um, we still have conversations about how much more we think he was meant to do on this earth. And it's been almost a year at this point that he's been gone. So we hope that we can continue to live out his legacy of right. presenting stories to those who are blazing trails and being creative and choosing their own way. Right. And not necessarily following a formula. Internets, internets. Make sure internets. y'all follow <laughs> December 26th, man. Awesome. Well, I thank you for your time. Yes, same here. This thank you great. for having me. And to our listeners, make sure you check out TaylorMade P. Check out Anthony Wayne. Get in now. Get to know him now before he's huge. And remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Tovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December26er. That's December26ER. 